0: Welcome back to Formula One, and uh, bad news, folks. It looks like Red Bull might just run a train on us all. Welcome back to Motorsport One Hundred and One. Oh boy, that was a beaten for the ages, and uh, it, it was actually worse than we thought. It's like a, it's like Apollo Thirteen when like. Tom Hanks' character comes back into the main ship and is like, uh, he's Houston, it's worse than we thought. Um, I'm your host, Dre Harrison. Glad you could join us here on Motorsport 101 episode 423. And our first one of the Formula One season, is the Bahrain Grand Prix. And uh, my word, uh, we've got we've got some shit to talk about on this one, let me tell you. We have a lot to go through on this one. But we have a special guest with us on this occasion. We'll get into them very, very shortly, but let's first go around the horn and meet the regulars. First up, you got Cam Buckley. Hello, sir.
1: Everyone, you know, I've been pouring over data ever since the race happened on Sunday, and nothing makes it better. Everything <laughs> just everything just makes the, the 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 smoke out of the impact crater more telling.
0: <laughs> it's like you check every different plausible explanation. It's like, nope, nope, still dominant, still going to crush us. Yeah, that sort of feeling, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like Doctor Strange, except there is no timeline where the others win <laughs>
0: <laughs> good luck to us all. Also, we have RJ O'Connor with us. Hello, RJ.
2: I don't know how to feel <laughs> for, for many, for many, many reasons, uh, that I'll, that I'll get in the podcast, but, uh, you know, I, I should just, I should just be comfortable with the fact that sometimes the, a- the individual athletes and even the, the teams that you support in your life, Maybe sometimes good things can happen at them after years and years in the wilderness. And it's different for individual athletes because they have a set shelf life. They're not like teams that you just regenerate and have ups and downs throughout. Like there's only there's only gonna be one Fernando Alonso. Uh, and he's already in the sunset of his career. And am I starting to believe that he can get back to the top of the mountain? I'll I'll let you know uh, once we get in the meat and potatoes. So I would also like to introduce a special guest. We would like to introduce a special guest who has a very uh, interesting uh, CV. Uh, He's known as one quarter of a foremost sports comedy podcast. He is an alumnus of one of the largest sports media websites in the world. And one of his other claims to fame is wearing a giant Bloomin' Onion costume at a football game many years, I, ago. I saw this.
0: It's beautiful. It's, 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 it's like it's like Cinderella, but with with onions.
1: <laughs> oh my god!
0: <laughs> I only saw it for the first time today. I was like, "Oh my god! Yeah. That is, that is a work of art." Uh, uh, yeah, ladies, gentlemen, friends outside the binary. Ryan Nanny is here. Everybody,
3: hello. Thank you oh. all for having me.
0: Um. Oh, my God! <laughs> like, we can't believe this is happening. Um, Yef. Yeah. Um, You're welcome, by the way. Everybody's <laughs> yeah, been saying we
2: need to bring more guests <laughs> on board. And, uh, uh- oh, yeah. And this actually ties in, Ryan, with a wonderful goal that you have. Uh, Could you explain what one of your ambitions is for the year 2023?
3: Wonderful is really – I mean, I appreciate the label. I don't know that my family would necessarily agree with it at this point. But (laughs) at the end of last year, I decided I was going to try to be a guest on as many podcasts as I could in 2023. Regardless, and this show is a great example – of whether I am qualified to be a guest, whether I have a lot to offer, whether I have any particular expertise or knowledge, or anything like that. Um, and so I have started down this road. And I think as of the time we're recording this, I have appeared on 33 or 34 podcasts that have been published. Wow. There I've, there are a couple more Thank that goodness. are getting edited. Yeah, my wife is like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like we... Our house needs to be cleaned or uh, we, you know, we have other things going on in our lives, but I've decided, no, this is this is how I'm going to spend my limited time on this earth because I'm a very smart man.
0: <laughs> I, I, I think this is spectacular. Was there anything in particular that motivated you or was there like a, a, a eureka moment to say, I want to be on as many podcasts as possible this year?
3: I don't remember if there was a specific moment, but I think I was probably listening to so I don't even know what show it was I was listening to something and I was just like oh wow being a guest on a podcast is a lot of like hosting a podcast or starting a podcast is a lot of work you have like mm. all the technical stuff you've got to worry about you have to make sure all right what are we doing this week or this episode do I have everything in order I have to sort of like do it on a regular cadence you said what, what is this episode 423 you said
0: Four twenty-three. Okay, we've done a lot of these. Right. If you include our sideshow, we're over five hundred. Right. It's ridiculous.
3: (laughs) But when you're a guest on a podcast, you just get to like it's 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 kind of like staying at a hotel. Mm. Like if you own a house or if you rent for a long time, you have to keep it up. But if I'm the guest here, I don't have to pick up the towels. I just I just come in. I don't make a huge mess. I leave, and that's it
0: it's it's beautiful it's, it's exactly how this show started <laughs> if i do say, say so myself i mean i have to nerd out a little bit right i know sure. i wish i wish it was under brighter circumstances because sadly you're no longer with SB Nation anymore and you know goddamn these fucking layoffs and all <laughs> and all of that but I've, I've heard you in many many videos and you were one of the creative forces behind so many incredible shows and you like know, you can't see, because obviously this podcast is mostly a visual medium, but as we're watching on, like the Dorktown poster is literally behind <laughs> my head. And and like f- 10 feet to my left is where the history of Seattle Mariners yeah. um, baseball poster is as well, because that was such an incredible series. And, what like what spurred those creative juices in in that sort of climate because some of the projects you've been behind them have been absolutely remarkable stuff
3: um so, so first of all i should i should clarify that mm. john boys and alex rubinstein are incredible sui, they're sui generous like it's mm. it, they are they broke the mold when they made both of those people super talented super creative but they also work in very distinct ways from like the larger secret base team as a whole. Mm. Um, The one thing that I think connects the whole team and that is the unifying force between all of these very different projects sometimes is I I think we as a group made a decision, gosh, at this point it's like five years ago to just start making the kind of video that we wanted to share with our friends rather than the kind of video we thought a sports media company was supposed to make. Because a lot of these things, like, you know, uh, you can take something like the Bob emergency. Mm. That's the kind of thing where, when we were all working together in the office, that would have been the kind of thing John would just, like, come over and talk to you about. And right. at some point we figured, like, well, why don't we just start making videos about these things that we've discovered, whether it's, like, this fact that You know, Shaq wrote a book about how David Robinson was mean to him when he was a kid and then later was like, oh, that never happened. I never met David Robinson when I was a child. I just had to say that.
0: I'm just going to motivate myself (laughs) by by making the nicest man in basketball and eat his hate figure. That's right.
3: That's right. Yeah. So, So it's mostly just motivated from a place of like enthusiasm, which is the hardest thing in my opinion. Too fake in any creative industry. There's a lot of stuff you can. I, I pretend like I know what I'm talking about all the time, but I think having enthusiasm and excitement for your subject is the one thing that you can really tell when somebody is like
0: mailing it in. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. And yeah, like well, that is so true. And like I've spread the word about espionation and secret base to so many people because we just don't have that sort of equivalence in the uk in particular i know it's a very i know obviously you guys are predominantly very american i've still Tagged to everyone i could find it's like, it's like do more Premier League stuff. But i know i know like the highlights are a nightmare mm-hmm. it's, it's a yep. copyright nightmare yep. and like get more cricket involved because i'm a huge cricket fan as well as the jamaican in me us west indies and caribbean folk we love our cricket as well i know john boy's been doing that recently he's been yeah. fantastic with that um he's been like that's exactly the sort of shit that cricket needs we need more people to grow the game out there um and just having someone like him who's obviously predominantly baseball picking up has been has been Remarkable. There's a lot but, of uh,
2: motorsport series that are not Formula One or NASCAR that could really use hat pumps too.
0: hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean, I know. I mean, Ryan. I mean, you. Obviously, you're American as well. But I know you're not the most knowledgeable F1 guy in the world. But surely you've seen like the growth of it in the last few years as oh, an outsider. Yeah, more. I
3: feel at this point, I am. I am the unusual one for not for I haven't seen drive to survive I haven't like gotten I haven't made this my I would say for a a big part of my like sport friend circle F1 mm. is probably their second maybe their third sport which like, is it has it has jumped up from from nowhere whereas right. you know you you could have said like for other people where maybe like Premier League soccer or um, something like that. It was like, okay, well, I know you had interest in soccer before, whether it was the World Cup or the U.S. Men's National Team or this, that, or the other, but mm. F1 seemingly came out of nowhere. I mean, I, I guess the closest sort of thread to pull out here is that for a certain generation, and I'm not going to say how old I am, but this will sort of disclose <laughs> it, like NASCAR used to be huge in the mm. United oh, yeah. States. Well, boy, NASCAR used him. to be, <clears throat> I don't know, Probably the fourth biggest sport in the U.S., if I had to guess. Mm. That's totally made up. I could be totally wrong there. But it, it it had a huge fan base. It was appointment television. It had, like, recognizable ca- – Like, I'm pretty sure Jeff Gordon hosted Saturday Night Live. I don't think he did. I made he did. that he did. right.
0: He did. Yeah.
3: And, and, like, it's insane to think now that a NASCAR driver could even, like, get a small guest spot on saturday night live much but that's how big the sport used to be so i i am i am i am curious if like f1 has awakened something that was dormant in a lot of people that grew up watching nascar
0: i think there's something to that i mean again like in the last year like i would never have imagined and i've been following f1 personally 20 plus years because it's got a huge uk following um, numbers like we have one of the biggest hardcore fan bases of f1 in the world like, you would never have guessed, like, a year ago that within a year you'd be seeing Daniel Ricciardo on Stephen Colbert.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Or, like, I know Hamilton's, Lewis Hamilton's made several appearances on there. Beforehand, like, Sebastian Vettel was on Letterman, and it was purely self indulgent because Letterman owns an IndyCar team and is a huge car nut. <laughs> right, right. And that was it was a guest purely booked for him and not a single fucking person <laughs> knew who he was in the audience. And they're like, who the hell is this the German fella? Uh, but at, at like ten years on we're now seeing Formula One guys actually get mainstream media attention. Hamilton's genuinely one of the most recognizable athletes in the world now. Um, I would never have imagined seeing him in the same vein as someone like a, a, a roger federer or a Rafael right. nadal or someone that is genuine like transcendent because formula one guys we we're often sewing so in so insular in, in that sense as us to get mainstream attention on the outside is just terrifying what and- is
3: what is that how do you all because you know do you all view this new audience with any skepticism with any sort of reservation? Is it just good? Is it a mixed bag? Like, what's your reaction to this?
2: It's a mixed bag, I would say. Certainly, mm-hmm. like, the positives absolutely outweigh the negatives. 100%. And yes, oh, yeah. this
3: whole wave
2: of new interest is going to bring in its fair share of crazies and maladjusted people who are coming at it from the <laughs> wrong perspective. <laughs> well, you see,
1: RJ, we already had plenty of those to work with already, so... Yeah, exactly. Uh... It really is just if you're already active on social media with Formula One, you're probably pretty aware of that.
0: It's very much a lot of it is quite similar to how people look at soccer and how soccer is discussed in the UK in particular, where it's all very tribalistic. All very, um, you know, heated, very confrontational. Uh, right. I don't know how much you know about the end of Abu Dhabi in 2021, a couple of years ago, with that Hamilton yeah, the title decider. That I um, do know
3: plenty about. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, I'm you glad. can't, you can't have even a single F1 friend and right. not know about that.
0: <laughs> right, because it, it was such a transcendent moment, and it was, it was, it was battle lines at dawn, essentially right. between right. fan bases, and you know, Hamilton getting screwed however we want to look at it or Verstappen benefiting or winning a title he didn't deserve that was like that was like the eureka moment for this sport right <laughs> and, um and we had not had a modern day decider like that in a, a long long time so um like no like probably you probably have to go back to maybe 97 for when Schumacher hit Villeneuve or something like that which most people weren't even born uh, before, as F1 fans before. Cam, that were you happened. born when, when
2: Schumacher tried to uh, win his third title like that?
1: Uh, I mean, I was, I don't remember it much.
2: <laughs>
1: um, I, was, I would have been what, four or five months old. Yes. Why, can't, why can't you develop cognitive memories faster, buddy? Maybe
3: they're in there locked away. He just hasn't tapped. Well, I'm
1: pretty sure. I'm pretty sure my oldest cognitive memory is like opening my GameCube on Christmas. 01.
0: Yeah. <laughs> anything that's... beyond that's that just fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> if that's
2: your first cognitive memory, though, who that's a, that's a good one.
0: Mm, mm, 100%. No, yes, look, look, sir. You, you could do a lot worse than that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, as, as just to say one more time, a huge honor to have Ryan Nanny with us on the show. Un- unbelievable. And again, not that, like, he openly admitted before he started F1 knowledge, and he gave us the pinching thumbs yeah. uh, sort of thing. Yeah. Like, but. You could soak it in, and you could be an outside sports fan, and you could be judgmental, or maybe compare it to other sports you've seen before, and it's kind of fun. We've got a great example of that later on um with a driver getting a bunch of penalties, and very similar. To, I think it was Carl Edwards, RJ, you wanted <laughs> to mention in there from NASCAR in the mid two thousands. Oh yeah, and, and how and how mad it can get, um, but. Again, like, like I said, Ryan is here to not disrupt the furniture, not mess up anybody's time <laughs> as we get into the more hardcore <laughs> anime, um, uh, discussion about what Bahrain was like. but. Before we get into that, real quick, just a quick shuffle about one um, on social media, Ryan. Where can the good people find you?
3: At uh, Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter, on Instagram. That's about it at this point. <laughs> like I'm probably too old for new social media platforms at this but, point. So. That's
0: entirely reasonable. I'm only yeah. thirty myself, and I still say this. Too. Like I'm already on too much as it is. Like Facebook's still a thing for me. I, I can't yeah. stand it. Yeah. Um, but yeah. If, Ryan, if do you, you, Ryan,
2: do you think the uh, the Twitter API is going to break again?
0: I mean, it might be breaking
2: as
3: we're recording this right now. I say
1: it is not a question of if, yeah, question of (laughs) when. Are
0: yeah,
3: yeah. It's but it's kind of fun in that it's sort of like, all right, let's wake up and see is Twitter here today or not. I don't know.
0: It's part of the fun. It's it's yeah. It's a a fun guessing game. If Schrodinger's platform, yeah. (laughs) If if the website is still here by the time this goes out, you can follow us at Dre underscore WTF one. At uh, CBuckley917 and at rj o'connell Of course, you could follow Ryan at Celebrity Hotspot, but you probably already knew that if you saw the name in this episode. Let's be frank. um Basically, you can find us at motorsport101.com for all of our social media details. And if you really like us, you could back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Do check us out on there. If you haven't already, perks include early access to the show, including the guys in the audience who are listening to this as we speak. I love that we had Zoe in here earlier say that um, we're setting up a press circle for me for my internet which is always a good sign um and rj saying why are you tormenting our guest (laughs) which is actually a pretty fair way of describing motorsport 101 in general to be honest with you um so without further ado let's get into the bahrain grand prix It was an absolute beat-em-down from Red Bull at the opening round of the 2023 F1 season. Max Verstappen won his 36th career Grand Prix ahead of teammate Sergio Perez, their 6th 1-2 finish since the start of last season. The next nearest man was 38 seconds back. More on him later. And this doesn't even include the fact that Max was struggling with downshifts and they dialed their power units down with about 10 laps to go. It was an absolute beating from everybody from, from Red Bull involved against the rest of the field and uh, gentlemen, uh, and maybe even a bit from Ryan as well, who knows? <laughs> but I have to wait and see. But was this an ominous sign for 2023? Um, Cam, you first, okay, I guess.
1: Oh, God. Um, you know, the car that its modern trade is always being vastly more potent on race day mm. locked out the front row with a compromise setup. We probably should have known then. Mm. Um, Red Bull beat the field the same colors as their car.
0: Blue purple. Yeah, (laughs) it was
1: I mean, he put he put three seconds on Charles in four laps. Yeah, (laughs) he never cracked. he, He had the engine turned down so far after a certain stage, he never cracked 187 miles per hour. On the speed traps, Max Verstappen had the lowest speed trap of any car on the grid because he never had DRS, and he basically shut his hybrid system off. (laughs) Um, They made the soft tire last longer than anyone else could make the hard tire last in the middle stint of this race. They went soft, soft, uh, hard tire. Everyone else uh, went some combination of uh, either soft, hard, soft, or soft, hard, hard. Uh, Oh, my God. Every piece of data I read about this just makes it look more brutal. Every story I read from rival
2: teams, like especially the expected challengers, Mercedes and Ferrari, makes it look like, okay, if you love seeing one elite organization dominate a sport in the moment that it happens, this is a gift to you. Mm Mm-hmm. If you love competitive championship battles where multiple drivers feel like they have a genuine chance to fight for the victory every single race weekend, oh, oh, this is, this is a tragedy.
1: George (laughs) Russell openly stated he thinks Red Bull could run the field this year. They could run the table. 23
0: um, races <laughs> which which by the way ron has never happened in f1 history no team has ever won every single race of the season we've had a couple come close um hamilton at the peak of his powers in 2016 won 90 like him as his teammate uh at the time nico Rosberg won 19 out of 21 that's the nearest anyone's gotten in the modern era so like this to put it into perspective it's it would be like if new england in 2000 i think it was 2007 when it was randy moss there had won every single game yeah. and actually won the super bowl or something like that so here's
3: here's my question <laughs> sure every sport every team sport i should say and a lot of individual sports as well mm. have this thing where the season starts and if there can be one dominating performance that everybody looks at and says well that means This will be repeated over and over and over. In college football, maybe it's, you know, Alabama crushes somebody that, Mm -hmm. you know, you hoped would give them a game and says, all right, well, they're just going to win the national championship. Uh, You know, the Chiefs come out and win their big marquee game week one next year, and everybody says, just put the Chiefs in the Super Bowl already. And frequently in other sports, that ends up being an overreaction. That ends up being not enough information or, you know, uh, a knee jerk thing. And my question is twofold. One, does this same phenomenon happen in F1 where something happens early and everybody says, like, that means this, and then that's not true by the end of the season? And two, how much much is this result an outlier from what you might normally see to start an F1 season?
0: Um, Great
1: question. I would say definitely the first portion of that. Happens. It's happened quite a bit because Mercedes, during their run, had five out of the eight years they won the constructors' championship. They had five cars that were genuinely just racking up twenty to thirty to forty second wins every weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, especially twenty fourteen and twenty sixteen. On merit, those cars could have and probably should have won every race on the year. Or as in twenty sixteen. That the only two races they lost, they lost to the crashes, hitting each other in the Spanish Grand Prix in 2016. Um, and then um, an engine failure taking out Lewis Hamilton while he was in a dominant situation in Malaysia. The other Mercedes have been taken out at turn one um, and was able to recover to finish third after being last after turn one.
2: Such was the...
1: You know what's we
2: have not seen a driver win the first race of the season and go on to win the championship since 2016? These last few years have given people a lot of false hope of new challengers, <laughs> and that false hope has been crazy. Protectedly yeah. yeah. out of the Ferrari camp.
0: Yeah, yeah. To put it into perspective, Ryan, we all went into preseason testing, which was only a week ago. They test the cars out. We get a good idea about times and running and reliability. Everybody kind of thought, "Oh no, Red Bull looked pretty good," but you're never quite sure until you see them for real. Yeah, it's a bit like it's a bit like you don't put too much stock into into preseason football. Yep. Um, and, but. Oh no! It's it, like it like I actually said, worse. It like, was actually like,
1: significantly worse than it was in preseason testing.
0: It is, it's like I said in the intro. It's like oh no, Houston, it's worse than we thought. Um, it's it's like the, the the limb is carrying this entire craft, um, and yeah, it's it's it is even worse than we first anticipated. We we are talking this could be all time beatings bad for the modern era. So um, the
3: framework I need to be thinking in is like UConn women's basketball when it was at its most
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. devouring That's kind of opponents. what it feels like. Yeah, okay. Because at the same time as well, typically in F1, um, you're not going to see car performance swing by more than three-tenths one track to another. Right. A little bit, yeah. That's kind of the ballpark. And Red Bull over a single lap, which has not been their car specialty in this this new ground effect era that started last year. Mm. Their specialty has been race pace because they're so good on their tires. Max Verstappen's race engineer was begging him to not to, to slow down, <laughs> basically all race, to not show off the, the the sheer scale of their performance because they had the better part of a second in hand when they opened the taps. Um, and what's more, what exacerbates that more is that there are two main competitors had a genuine X factor last year. We'll talk about them in more detail later. Um, Ferrari have genuinely gone backwards compared to last year. Um, their race has actually on average was slower than last year, which is mm. if that's the, if you do not move forward in formula one, you're behind. If you move backwards in formula one, you're really behind oh yeah and mercedes who had the only genuine x factor from what was a very flawed car last year was that it was the best car in the field on its tires this is no longer the case
0: nope
1: um to the point where there's not even really a clear-cut second there's kind of a clear-cut second group but no one overarching second car the red bull's just better everywhere
0: it's like, let's put it to you this way, Ron. In the last two years, Mercedes went from the Indianapolis Colts having Peyton Manning to going to Curtis Painter. <laughs> wow.
3: and, the, and, the, and there is no Andrew Luck on the other side of that. Is what I mean. <laughs>
0: it's like Andrew uh, Luck is there, but he's injured because Lewis Hamilton obviously is still probably like a top two driver in F1, most likely. But if your car is not good enough, you won't win in F one. That's just it's not like up. It's a lot like in the NFL, where it's like okay, you you could be the best quarterback in the world, but if your defense is a leaky sieve, you're still not winning. Yep. yep. Um, right. You know, and, and it could still be an up. It could, still, it could still very much be an uphill struggle. It's it's very. It was a lot like that with Pat Mahomes last year, where he's still clearly the best quarterback in football, and we all know he's a generational freak. Same way with Lewis Hamilton in F one, but we all knew that Kansas's defense couldn't stop a nosebleed. For, for large chunks of the season. So it's it's that sort of principle only with race cars. And yeah, that, 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 I, I think you say in my notes here, that was a beating that would have been illegal in 27 U.S. states. Um, That was, that was, it was flawless. Like, so it, even Sergio Perez, who is open enough as a driver where he can get beaten by other teams when they have a good day was like, 25 seconds around, up the he, road. He drove
1: around Charles Leclerc like he had four flat tires.
0: There was Max Verstappen
2: up here. Big gap, Sergio Perez in second. Bigger gap, everybody else. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and, and not only that, but in the factor of reliability as well, because reliability is what ended up costing Mercedes in 2014, their, their mm. perfect season. And indeed, McLaren Honda in 1988, who – only lost one race to again a crash and an engine problem red bull's reliability since some fuel system issues early last season has been fairly bulletproof
0: Mm-mm. exactly i mean yeah reliability plays a few hand in this as well but again red bull flawless there i mean this time last year they had both their cars explode right at the end of the grand prix which opened the door for a ferrari one two and everyone's like oh maybe ferrari's back you'll quickly realize in a minute ryan why that's a terrible thought to have and you should never do it um and <laughs> honestly i think even I think, I think even you followed f1 from twitter enough times to know that ferrari are like the failure turtles yeah in- that is
3: that is they are charlie brown Attempting to kick a football Oh yeah Like the the most reliable thing If you are like me A F1 secondhand hearsay observer Is Ferrari bungling things Whether it's tactically Whether it's mechanically Whether it's just like The racing gods hate them that day Like it is It is a real treat To talk to In my case Spencer Hall And be like So Mm. what exactly happened with Ferrari?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Spencer what, could break it down uh, in yes, a re- in, in yes, typically crazy yes. manner. But, <laughs>
3: but this one, this one in this race, the Ferrari failure was both so um, so early and so easily <laughs> captured. <laughs> it's not like most
1: years most <laughs> right, years right. ferrari in this modern era will usually they'll give you a couple months just to get your hopes up just to crash and back down yeah. to the earth yeah i mean this year red bull beat the optimism out of everyone in about three <laughs> days of preseason testing <laughs> and then rubbed it in even more on race day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it was it's it's like it's like seeing a 10 meter diving board and then getting a step ladder on top just to make the point about how much dominance you've got over you basically. Uh it was it, it was completely <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, I don't even know why we wrote so many notes for this section because dominance can be very boring sometimes. So much. I mean, I don't know how many, watch, <laughs> many races you've ever watched Ryan, right? But it was such a dominant case where Red Bull wasn't even on screen for the vast majority of that race. It's like two laps to go. Oh, by the way, here's the Red Bull, by the way. Mm-hmm. Here's that, snap, but he's hey, about it's to win. Fucked off. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like-
1: we saw we saw the start. We saw Perez pass Leclerc, we saw pit stops, and then we saw the finish.
0: (laughs) So everybody else fighting each other. It's like with two laps to go. It's like, oh, final lap. Oh, here's Max Verstappen, by the way. He's just, he's driven off. He's in his own postcode. He's in his his own mailing area, and he's about to win. Oh, by the way, guys, Verstappen's here. (laughs) It was, it was ridiculous. And that's uh, the, (laughs) yeah, absolutely. On that
2: note, uh, should we talk about uh, the the front runners and who Mon Ferrari and Mercedes are leaving in a worse state because Charles Leclerc had a power unit failure after replacing two two (laughs) sets of electronics on it before they even started the race. And then for Mercedes, they were just slow. Lewis Hamilton could only manage fifth. George Russell commanded seventh with team boss
0: Toto Wolff calling it one of his worst days in racing. Which is laughable. Like, to put into perspective, Rod, Toto will spin around at Mercedes long enough to, to have seen like a catastrophic injury where a driver eventually passed away. Like he was there when that race happened. So for Toto, I mean, I don't know if you, I I know you're not, uh, you've not seen drive to survive, but I think you know enough about how team principals get down to know they are very dramatic. people. Yes. They're very, they're very politician heavy (laughs) where they will just fucking say anything sometimes. I mean, yeah, like, normally we'd expect this from, like, Red Bull's boss, Christian Horner, who gets very deep in his own feelings. He likes to be, I think he, he likes loves playing
1: the, the pantomime Owen.
3: It's, it's what a movie director, like, a parody of a movie director is, where it's just sort oh, of, yeah. like, big feelings in all directions, mm. lashing out in confusing ways. Like, yeah, I, I, I very much get it.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like the, the perspective, there, was, there were moments like Red Bull was caught cheating a little bit last year where they went over the budget cap. Mm-hmm. Not by m- enough to really accuse them of seriously cheating. Right. It was probably just like an admin error or something along those lines. He stood on a podium with his glasses on saying that the rule is nonsense. We think we've done everything right. And his other team bosses were out here writing open letters to the sports governing body saying he should throw the book at them. They said they didn't press conference
2: i was at the press conference where Toto wool where no christian horner and zach brown Brown. the person who wrote that open letter sitting side by side next to each other that is the closest i think i've ever seen to two middle-aged men about to throw hands at the middle of a formula one press conference
1: (laughs) which of course is why mclaren went to red bull asking them to supply them power units for the next set of engine regs in 26.
0: um I told you they're politicians <laughs> Treat exactly. them as such. so when total wolf says it's one of his worst days in racing he's probably bullshitting but he, like team bosses have this huge flair for the dramatic that, yeah. that, that you know they they will come out with some bullshit and you will yeah. inevitably react to it on social media like a red rag to a bull. um no pardon the pun but um i mean cam Who's leaving in a worse off state? Because both these teams are coming out of this weekend miserable.
1: <sighs> um, you want to see a couple dead bodies? <laughs> um, look, I I really can't tell because it's two different shades of we're screwed. Mm. Um look, Ferrari ended last year with, if nothing else, a fast car. Right. The speed over a lap. And the speed of the drivers was the last thing Ferrari had a problem with last season. Charles mm.
2: Leclerc won the, won the season's pole trophy. You know, a yeah. small
1: pittance for finishing
2: runner up in the championship by a mile of a stretch. The speed yeah. is there. Oh, so yeah.
1: you think Ferrari, um, the two things they really had to fix this year besides the pit wall, which actually did do a good job. They did a reactive strategy for the first time in God, like eight years. So proud of them. Um, and it worked like oh we are meeting we're meeting the basics here the two things you really think they would fix would be tire wear which was abysmal and reliability which was even worse <laughs> well charles leclerc burned through at least three power unit elements and is effectively guaranteed a penalty for the second race of the season <laughs> out of 23 Out of 23, you get two energy stores, the battery for the hybrid system. One of them is confirmed gone, and one of them was changed before the race out of an abundance of caution. And they changed the control electronics that govern that, which you also get only two of.
0: Yeah, to put it in perspective, Ryan, as well, this is the longest F1 season ever. We got 23 races. It would have been 24 if we'd actually raced in China this year, but that got cancelled because of COVID restrictions at the last minute, and it was too busy to get them back on the calendar. But it's the biggest season ever, and one round in, we're talking about potential penalties. Even last year, it was like round six or seven before we started talking about penalties. Even...
1: (laughs) even Honda at their Nadir in 2015 or 2017, they weren't suffering penalties in race two.
0: No, that's,
1: that's um, crazy talk. And the tire wear was atrocious. Mm. I mean, the Ferraris were killing their tires in four or five laps. Um, it, it was to the point that they were having to conserve tires so heavily that they couldn't even get, Lap times as fast as last year's car.
0: Yeah. This Um, is is
1: rough. Red Bull gained about four tenths on last year on race pace. Mercedes gained about a tenth and a half. Ferrari actually lost a little bit. Um, Not much, seven thousandths. But again, if you're not moving forward in F1, you're practically standing still. Oh, yeah. But you could be worse. (laughs) You could be Mercedes.
0: So, um, Toto Wolf during this weekend looked like a man who had just had his dog shot in front of him. Um, just like the, it's, it's like it's like it's here's, like, here's it's how like,
1: locked in. You know how long this lo- this locked in advantage lasted? Zero seconds in the real world because. Oh yeah. Total Wolf effectively admitted that their car concept, which was much talked about last season and continued in the hope that they could push through into the goodness of it this year. No, no.
2: Nope. If it's one problem, the car is not violently springing up and down like it did at points last year, but it's still, but, it, a it, dog. but it's
1: worse because it's just as slow. <laughs> it's last <laughs> year's car was slamming up and down constantly, torturing Lewis and George to the point where Lewis could barely climb out of the car for the Azerbaijan grand prix in the middle of the year
3: so the situation you're portraying to me is that mm-hmm. we have the successful team red bull being yep. more successful than we even thought possible yep running a perfect race like checking every box
1: mm-hmm. Yep.
3: mercedes and ferrari the two would be uh best position competitors yep. yep are failing in ways you all did not anticipate and and, and do oh, I anticipated so in, this out okay, of Mercedes. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I shouldn't have presumed. So like is there is there a catch here? Is there a silver lining here where it's like, but someone over here is is lurking in an interesting or or I, I or think is this Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I think Ferrari This track probably makes their issues look a little worse than they are regarding tire wear because Bahrain is very tire heavy. It it eats up the rear tires, the highest of any place on the grid. So Ferrari are fast over a lap. They are fast enough to at least give Red Bull something to think about Mm -hmm. over one lap. Mm -hmm. That's enough of a benefit at a couple of tracks this year that they might not get defeated on the season they may actually win a race or two right Mm. where i'm concerned with mercedes because last year's car late on in the season as they continued to develop it way after everyone else it started to make a little bit of sense on paper it started to make a little bit of sense they won a race with it they had two more really competitive races with it and unfortunately that kind of catfished mercedes into sticking with this concept one more year Mm -hmm. and when you do that in f1 and it doesn't work out you just lost a year you've lost a year of development and in this new cost cap era that came in for 21 and 22 you no longer have what Mercedes used to do, which is just throw half a billion dollars throw a pile at the problem. Of money at
3: the problem. Yeah. 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 Throw
1: yeah. the best engineers and the best drivers and the best and the most money at the problem. And eventually you will push through.
0: Yeah. Depending on the perspective, Ron, each F1 team can now only spend $135 million. I know it's such a struggle. That's, that's uh, struggle. Relatable problems. <laughs> <laughs> well, my budget's only $135 million.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I can, I guess I can only fly first class on 80%. Damn,
1: I'm
0: eating ramen every night.
3: Oh, I no more avocado <laughs> toast for me. Shit.
0: Oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, we we can only afford a middle of the road NFL QB with that kind of guaranteed money. Um, Um, Yeah, so they're only allowed to spend... uh, It sounds like anyone that's not an F1 fan will immediately realize how stupid this sounds, that you're only allowed to spend $135 million on your car over the course of a season. Only. Only. And by the way... That's excluding
1: a lot of things.
0: And certain elements of that are exempt. Your three highest paid employees don't count. Your drivers uh, have got a separate $30 million budget as well. um, which Doesn't cover
1: your engines. Your engines are completely separate
0: which is the most expensive that's- part of the car, by the way, they're, they're, they're worth eight figures each, but they don't count for some stupid reason. Um, and like I said, the drivers have got a separate budget, but only like two or three of, of actually getting paid enough where they might have to actually worry about how much they're getting paid. And I'll give you a hint they max. Lewis and Max, um, basically, <laughs> um, that's it. Yeah. Basically they yeah. both signed like fuck you style NFL guaranteed QB money, sort of like 45, $5 million million dollar a year sort of city money contracts because they they are that good. Um, but, but, but,
1: but Dre, like, what makes this so much worse on the context of this cost cap is that Red Bull nailed it out of the gate. Oh, yeah. even though their car did have problems last year, uh-huh. fundamentally it was such a good platform. Yeah, that now that they've bug fixed it because last year's car was overweight, wasn't the most reliable thing in the world. Well, we saw what happened on Sunday. It was comedy. Oh, yeah. Um, If Mercedes are talking about binning their concept, this is kind of threefold. If you're binning your concept for something that's unique, that Red Bull or Ferrari aren't using, because of the problems that Mercedes has simulating these cars, because their tools are still telling them this is the best path. And the real world is, is just proving that it is not. Nope. Um, If you try something unique, you have no guarantee that it will work. Um, And then you risk burning four years of development. If you copy Red Bull. Well, you're never going to beat them because a car born of a concept is always going to match up better against the car where that is grafted onto it. Mm. And to that effect, that means that Mercedes has burnt all of 22 on nothing they're going to burn this year on nothing. You know, they, they have their big, uh, much hallowed upgrade coming for, um, Imola at the end of may. Well, Toto Wolf came out and said, that's about worth three tenths. They need a second. Yeah. They need a second on race pace. If they are even thinking about challenging red bull, this is red bull holding back. By the way, <laughs> they, they beat, Mer- yeah. they beat the mercs by 51 seconds.
0: Yeah, it's 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 like that snow game that when, when Tom Brady plays the Titans where they pulled him off the basically like one drive in the third. <laughs> and they yeah, still we, we lost, don't need it. And they still lost and, 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 and they still lost fifty nine nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: it, it, it's not a quick fix. It's a deep rebuild. Right. Right. And if that is the case, then in the short term, Mercedes are screwed. They're not gonna win this title. They're not gonna win next year's title. They might not even win twenty five. Um, because at the same time, it's a moving target. Red Bull's going to be developing. Ferrari, you know, bless their souls, are going to try. Yeah. Um, and if they do, in fact, latch on to Red Bull's concept, that leaves Ferrari as kind of the last outlier car that hasn't kind of cribbed some of Red Bull's general DNA that they've introduced into their car. Mm. Um, and as we know, Lewis Hamilton is in the process of putting together a new deal in the he's short a, term, he is not winning that a title.
0: Yeah. He, and he's, he's in a contract year this year on, in other words, he, he could be a free agent at the end of the season, conceivably. Um, he could retire so, to go focus on his, uh, his recording career.
2: Like, <laughs> like he, he had one <laughs> guest appearance on God, what,
0: what track was, who did it he was,
2: get? He got a guest it, verse for
0: it. Was, it was, it was for Christina Aguilera. It, it he can was, spit it, some bars. He can spit some bars. Uh, th- it's a true story, right? Lewis Ableton did make a musical cameo in a Christina Aguilera video one time, believe it or not. Um, he, he had a pseudonym called Ex dina um, That's what he went as. And no one knew it was him for like a good six months, even <laughs> though like really hardcore fans of his content it was his voice. Um, he's also, I'm honest with Wikipedia, he's also
3: claimed he was offered a role in Top Gun Maverick but had really? to decline because of his commitments to racing. That's a mm. shame.
0: Yeah, he uh, he is good mates of Tom Cruise. Uh, I know he even be him. They have buddied up at multiple Grand Prix. Nissan before. factory racing legend Tom Cruise. I'll have you know, <laughs> I, th- I think I think I
2: think he made up for that by just deciding, OK, I'm going to consult on the Brad Pitt movie that's basically Top Gun, but just replaced the planes with cars.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Pretty much, <laughs> but exactly. but yeah, like this is such a long-term rebuild for Mercedes because you've effectively lost two years of development mm. and the thing is, it's not the mechanical base of the car because the engine rear suspension and gearbox, effectively the spine of the car behind the driver is in another car that just beat them. Yeah.
0: They, Mercedes were just beaten. We'll get to this very shortly. We're just but beaten their own B by, team. Yeah, they got beaten by their own B team, who's on the same engine as they are, as an independent customer.
1: Same engine, same gearbox, same rear suspension, and they work in the same wind tunnel.
3: So but camp- there's some uncomfortable conversations happening as well. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. very much oh, so.
3: Very <laughs> uncomfortable camp. But Cam, remember
2: Aston Martin are a factory themselves. They make their own cars. And surely they they make their own cars with their own engines that they build themselves.
1: Uh, wait, wait, Aston
2: Martin cars these days are manufactured with engines built by Mercedes-Benz?
1: Yes, indeed. <laughs> Un, unless it's a V12 in which I'm pretty sure it's still like a bunch of Ford engines that are stuck together like pieces of the thing from 1982.
0: Oh, yeah. Sound, yeah, should we, should we get into a little bit of Aston Martin, shall we? I mean, let's be- It's a, real. It, it's it, real. <laughs> I not want to believe it. I did not want to believe it at first. It's been the story pretty much of the entire preseason, and it finally came true. Fernando Alonso, the man nicknamed as El Plan uh, for always having a plan at the tender age of 41 is back on a Formula One podium for the first time in a couple of years since he was at Qatar, but just the second time since his comeback. And um, wow, incredibly impressive. Past Carlos Sainz, past Lewis Hamilton in the second half of the race, teams that we all thought that were stomping. Aston Martin into oblivion last year. And now the little Silverstone team that could might be leaving. In fact, probably are leaving Bahrain as the second best team in Formula One right now, which is oh, yes. an, an, an incredibly terrifying force. Um, I literally wrote in my notes here, like I was Kurt Angle where I said, Oh, it's real. It's damn real because we didn't quite believe the numbers. Uh, I know Aston Martin were buzzing about this, but it's like a, it's like a school kid that knows like, the secret of the school bully. And like, they're they're trying so hard, like not to let it leak out, That oh, hang on, we're actually really good. Oh my God, we're actually really good. And it turns out they were actually really, really good. And I have to cut to RJ here because he is the world's biggest Fernando Alonso fan. Um, And podium number 99 for your man. And third place on the day. How how did that feel for you, man? Because that must've been, a bit special. Um,
2: um, just a couple of notes. Uh first and foremost, Lance Stroll did not go through this whole weekend like a driver who is complacent about his place in the sport because his dad is the CEO of the company. Uh he, he gritted through this race with screws in his hand, and there was a debate of whether or not he's in enough pain to broken toes. Run. Yeah. Broke a toes. He had a cycling ass that we knew he broke his wrist. We didn't know he broke toes. He's in constant pain. He grits out a sixth place finish inside the fact that he is Lance Stroll, the the most complacent young man and, and socially anxious young man in Formula One. Yes. As- <laughs> Aston As- Martin were terrible last year. And when I thought when I saw Fernando Alonso make this move, I'm just like, you know, it's more of what I've expected. Uh I was a young child when Fernando Alonso made its debut with this very minority team that is On my back wall, Uh, they were pretty much uh, a last minute deal away from completely going bankrupt in 2001. But as part of the package, they get a 19 year old Fernando Alonso and in a car that other drivers are too slow to even qualify for races with, he's out qualifying future world champions. I am pretty sure I was a fan of him from at that point. If not, then when he got his first full time ride at the factory Renault team back in 2003. To put his longevity in a contest, Oscar Piastri was one of two drivers that made his series debut this weekend. He was not even born when Alonso made his first start back in March 2001. And if he never takes the two-year sabbatical after 2018, he'd be the first driver to break 400 Grand Prix entries. When Fernando Alonso started his career, the record was 255. For me, yep. being a fan of Alonzo in the late stage of his career has been this long and drawn-out process of resignation, that the best years are already gone. Back-to-back titles in 05 and 06. I was in high school when he won his last championship. I was in university the last time he had a close call with another in 2012. I can count on one hand the truly magical moments he's had since then that maybe believe he can win again. The last win in the 2013 Spanish Ground 3 in a four-stop strategy. The first time he went to the Indianapolis 500 in 2017, and that was when McLaren knew, we can't give you a Formula 1 car to win the race. Do you want to go in, do Indy to, instead? Even that weird podium in Qatar the first time, two years ago. But watching this race, watching the way they drove through a, sl- a uncharacteristically slow start for him, mm. I feel got like caught the driver, up with the mercs. I feel like the driver that I became a fan of as a youth came back into my life for the first time in years. Do I believe that Fernando Alonso, who turns 42 years old later this year, has one more championship run in him with the team that started last year as the second worst team in the sport by a mile and a stretch? Everyone's getting excited, but I'm not betting the house on a championship run. But I think he will win his first race in nearly a decade if Aston Martin keeps trending in this direction. I thought about it. <laughs> I was persistent at first.
1: <laughs> you know how-
3: <laughs> that yes, yes.
1: finally. <laughs> it's coming. coming just you wait i i've for the record this entire the entire weekend in the voice chat of our discord was me gaslighting rj into thinking aston martin are capable i know but i know no, but I knew
2: better
0: than to have hope after these last ten
1: years. <laughs> oh my gosh!
0: This but- is one hundred percent this is, this is true, by the way. I was standing back and watching in horror because, like, Ryan, you don't know this, but like Sebastian Vettel was at this team, and he's been my favorite driver for the last fifteen years in Formula One. Then he retired at the end of last season. You may have seen the press of that. You know, one of the most well liked drivers in modern history he got a huge guard of honor and tribute on the way out, and a lot of. Genuinely good activist work on the way out as well. Um, And I'm sitting here now stewing, thinking he might have retired one year too early because now the team is good. And now Fernando Alonso is reaping the benefits. His arch rival from 10 years ago (laughs) (laughs) is reaping the benefits (laughs) of a (laughs) better car.
1: I'm not mad about this at all. You know, it's okay because at the end of the day, Seb got three of those titles dunking on Alonzo's head. I yes. digress. Um I'm not and, and to this. give a little to give Ryan a little context as well, this team died in 2018. This team went into bankruptcy/slash receivership mm-hmm. and was more or less protected from those who would divide and conquer the assets by now at Red Bull, Sergio Perez. Yeah, And then, of course, the current uh, owner, Lawrence Stroll, father of Lance, uh, bought the team up, revived them within that same week. And this team has been through many guises over the years. They've had numerous brushes with death. It's really weird seeing them come out of this. <laughs> not only as good as they were in preseason testing, but if anything, they were hiding how good they really were. Yeah. Maybe the car lacks that last little step of ultimate pace over a lap, but what it lacks in ultimate pace, it makes up for in race pace and entire wear as with the Red Bull. Um, they picked up Red Bull's former Aero Chief, last year and this was the first car where he really has a lot of fingerprints on it
2: Dan Fallows off of Dan the Fallows. Adrian Newey uh, design tree
1: he might just be the Nets design guru in the sport mm. and he has constructed them a car that it's just really good it's really good I mean he they were driving around Mercs and later Ferraris with Abandon um this is that team in Insert Sports League here that just came off one of the worst seasons you've ever seen and come in and are giving last year's playoff contenders a bloody nose.
3: Mm-hmm. So, to, and I apologize if this is a silly question. If mm-hmm. Mercedes is a team that has already wasted a year, is probably in the midst of wasting another, where is Aston Martin in that? Arc like, is this there the year in the, where they the should the second be? Second tra- half,
1: okay. Okay. Of, okay, of that arc. I'd say where they started off last year with a very unique car, a very uniquely awful car. <laughs> they basically threw the entire car in the trash and restarted, yep. Um, from round what was it five or six Spain last year, yeah. With uh, a car that was very similar to the Red Bull. So a similar Red that there was an <laughs> an investigation into it because it was so similar.
2: Red Bull, you um, mind if we copy your homework? No. Okay, we'll make sure we change our little, they, little so that they, they minded. We, they minded exactly a lot. Is.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And right. That, in in really petty fashion, by the way, at that race at a small tangent. The Red Bull team, they have the pit wall, and the, all the bosses on the, on the main pit wall. Yeah. They started drinking green cans of their of, of their Red Bull drink to with take the watermelon flavor. Of us at the Martin because <laughs> their brand color is green. So
1: and the car was that <laughs> That's similar. Good. But
3: That's good.
0: This is a multi billion pound sport, and they can be just as petty as listen, any other. <laughs> listen, petty
3: petty doesn't go away. With we know money is not the answer. Doesn't not being petty. so so then is the goal then for aston martin what is the goal for aston martin next year or this year if i have to break it down into that simple of a binary
1: um if they can finish if they can maintain this and the trick is with f1 is now also under these regulations you also get depending on where you finish in the team's championship you get Mm -hmm. a sliding scale of how much arrow development you can do much time in the wind tunnel how much time in uh what we call cfd or the computer side of the aerodynamics yeah because aston martin wore pants last year and finished seventh they have way more allowed development time mm-hmm. compared yeah. to everyone especially red bull but red i think red bull's so far out in the distance I they're don't not think particularly that's a worried about that yeah no yeah. because like red bull's goal this year i should have probably spanned it on a little bit during the red bull sec- section is because they got a penalty for their cost cap breach last year and they are finished first. Anyway, they have the least out of anyone. Their goal is to beat the field so bad to start the year that they can not focus much on this year's car and focus what they do have on next year's car. Right.
0: Yeah. So, let's put it this way on a sliding scale. If Aston Martin's arrow time was a number, it would be 100. If that was a ratio, number, yeah. Red Bull's is 63.
3: Okay. So yeah.
0: basically Red Bull has like, basically a third less time in the wind tunnel compared yeah. to Aston Martin are. So they've got a huge advantage in that hand, but Red Bull so far in front right now, you, it probably won't matter this year. Maybe next year if Aston Martin can keep trending in the, in, the, in this direction, but it's still so early. But that's we don't know it. where yeah. the goalposts are going to be. right?
1: Ferrari and Mercedes also have significantly less because they finished second and third last year. So if Aston are already ahead and they've already they've already got good correlation between what their sim tools are telling them and then real world if look mercedes and ferrari are pants right now aston martin finishing second in the constructors would be a massive dub for them as a team they've never finished that high yeah their best ever year in any guise of this team was 1999 when they finished third and that was as good as it ever got for them because, well, all the money went away after uh-huh. that.
0: Yeah, they, they didn't have the budget to compete with the big two, I mean, was just McLaren and Ferrari back then. Um, yeah, so, yeah, that's to put into perspective, just like second would be a miracle for this team, given how badly off the pace they were just a year ago, where they were at the bottom of the standings for. They a gained good two and a half
1: seconds per lap compared to last year. In Formula One, that is almost that's, inconceivable
0: that's that, that's the whole that's the whole field from top to bottom is roughly two and a half seconds probably a little bit less than that now it's actually a lot more competitive than it used to be um, yeah. where- we
2: just spent this whole time talking about how rebel just mopped the floor with everybody just threw the dirt on everybody from top to bottom it's way more competitive than it was top to bottom let's say 20 25 even 15 years ago
0: right like, Like back then, sometimes you would have days where teams wouldn't even make the 107% rule, which for for context riders, if you're more than 7% slower than the fastest team, you're not allowed to compete. Um,
1: You you, are considered a danger to yourself and others.
0: Yeah, by by, by (laughs) being too slow, essentially. So, like, the fact that that's not even really a thing anymore is a miracle for for how modern day F1 is, but no, just to to chip in my own two cents on here, that was a remarkable drive from Fernando Alonso, that was incredible. Uh, I Lewis love-
1: Hamilton's ankles into turn ten. That
0: never happens. Hamilton never gets passed
2: like that before. It was I'm up on the outside, dives onto the inside, and in an off camber corner where everybody locks up the brakes, including me in the video games. Oh, hundred mm-hmm. percent. It made it look easy.
1: <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I-
1: that, that's the best thing I can say about this Aston Martin is that it looked easy.
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent, and that's why we nicknamed him ODB o- o- in our show notes because he really is old, dirty bastard out there when he's out there <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a racing car. But he's still, he still got it, Fernando. Like I said, it's like F one guys like him going into their early forties is pretty. I mean, it's happening a little bit more now, but this was unprecedented ten years ago where like guys are going deep into their forties and still being competitive. Um, well,
1: Andre, oh, the hmm. the dispute with Alpine last year, which in hindsight might be the best thing that could have happened to him was because he's old enough that Alpine didn't want to give him a multi-year contract.
0: Yeah. Alpine said, we'll give you a one year deal. Fernando was like, I want two years. Aston Martin were like, well, we think Vettel might be retiring. Would you like a two year deal with us? And Fernando was like, sold. Um, (laughs) We'll take that. And,
3: uh, And, And I have to ask now because I'm also petty. How was Alpine's day?
0: Um, um. They will get, well, I think that's a perfect time to trans, transition into
2: other business to discuss here, because Ryan, I want to talk to you about how miserable the day was for Esteban Ocon, the senior driver of the Alpine F1 team. Well, oh, this in is terms the right, of experience, and in terms of his tenure, he's been there the longest. His new teammate Pierre Gasly just got here this weekend. Tech. He just tied the record for the most individual driving infractions in a single race. And it wasn't even entirely his fault. So at the start of the race, he's lined up out of position on the grid. They're very, very particular in how you line up on the grid. You can't be too far out of place left or right. You can't be too far forward or too far back. The stewards look at it and they decided, you need to serve a five-second time penalty, which you could serve at the beginning of the net's pit stop you take, so long as the mechanics don't touch the car. They have to wait five seconds no less. And then they can touch the car and do service. He comes into the pits and wouldn't you know it, the team can't count to five. They have mechanics on the car in less than five seconds. <laughs> so the oh, stewards God. do it. are a much shorter investigation, and Esteban Ocon gets a subsequent 10-second time penalty for improperly serving the previous penalty. He comes into the pits again to serve that second penalty. The follow-up penalty of the first penalty And then he's caught speeding in the pit lane by a fraction of a mile of an hour, resulting in him having to serve yet another five-second time penalty. Is had three individual driving infractions tying the record set by one of the most buck wild Formula One drivers of recent memory, Pastor Maldonado, a Grand Prix winner who was also a a weapon on the track to drivers around him and was legitimately funded. He wasn't the
1: problem, let's just
2: say. Hundreds of millions of dollars that the government of Venezuela may or may not have actually had. In that race (laughs) in 2015, Pastor Maldonado uh, was penalized for overtaking another car behind the safety car during a full course yellow, which is a big no-no. Big no-no. Speeding Mm -hmm. in the pit lane and colliding with another car.
3: See, I I think that's a more impressive way to get three penalties in a day, right?
1: <laughs> it's it's the story of Esteban Ocon and the terrible, no good, very bad Bahrain Grand Prix, <laughs> dude. I see goalies
2: get lit up in the NHL all the time. They let in a couple of quick goals at the start of the game, and unless it's Patrick Wah in a yeah. contract dispute with the Canadians, they'll just pull the goalie and put at the backup to save to save in dignity. Yeah, Outing yeah. did let him run for like several more laps before they decided to retire the car like i remember seeing carl edwards in the 2006 bud <laughs> shootout which is not even a points race uh they penal they penalize him as an absolute bullshit he protests the penalty he gets a follow-up penalty and then decides you know what i don't want to race anymore i'm good i think <laughs> that's what they should have done with S- yeah. Ocon yeah. after the second penalty
3: <laughs> yes i agree because to <laughs> me uh your mechanics just not doing one mississippi two mississippi etc like i i guess spiritually i know it's very different it feels like when you see um a ball carrier in football drop the ball right before they cross the goal like it's that kind of thing where it's just like if you had just if you had just kept it together yes if you had just kept it together for another half second not even a full second if you had just like kept it together i don't even need you to do anything special i don't need you to do anything amazing i think i just need you to not do the thing that you did (laughs) like that that's where at that point i think
1: jr smith ass mechanics
3: yeah you (laughs) just be like no i can't do this this is just not the day we're not should i
2: also point out that pierre Gasly, his brand new teammate is on the borderline of earning enough penalty points on his license to earn the first one race suspension since f1 introduced this new penalty point Ooh. system mm. and it's and they're by the way I need to clarify they're not dirty drivers with a habit of reckless driving they've just been picking up so many other turns. These, these are
3: dumb penalties right yeah penalties could, okay precisely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's it was a, a miraculous uh, incredible hat trick. I mean, I know they honor like hat <laughs> trick scorers in hockey. Like but to to get free driving infractions in an F1 race is a fucking unicorn, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. That's that's only the second time I think I can ever remember that happening. It, it is ever. the
2: second time. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It, it,
0: it, it, it. This was literally a one-off until until Sunday. This this was ridiculous. I, I've never seen anything like it. Like I said, it was like it's like Alpine refused to do the mercy killing until like twenty laps down the road, where they were like, right. "Okay, we're eighteenth out of twenty cars. We're we're two laps down. There is no point in continuing this. <laughs> just put it there's just parking for the day and save running the engine anymore <laughs> because there is absolutely zero point to him continuing." Hey,
2: and by the thing. way, Dre, did, did we also talk about the fact that uh, Alpine finished fourth in the World Constructors Championship, best of the rest behind the big three, and were tipped to finish at this point? And Pierre Gasly had to strain and claw and scratch to finish ninth, barely getting two points from the back of the grid.
0: Yeah. Like run for, yeah, for context. Yeah. Pierre Gasly made a botch of his qualifying run. He um, broke track limits. His best time was if you break track limits in F1, your best time is taken away. It doesn't count. Um, so he had to start from the very back of the field in 20th place. And as, RJ uh, uh, eloquently said he, he made it all the way up to ninth top 10 scores points in Formula One. So he actually got a couple of points. Also, there was his debut for the team, which I think is pretty cool. Also, it, allegedly Gasly and Ocon don't like each other as teammates. It does not go down <laughs> very well. It's 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 one of the it was one of the biggest off season stories where like oh my god because they're, they're both French right you could probably I mean you might have been able to guess that I mean Esteban's not the most common French name because his mother's Spanish but um like they're both French. They both used to race each other in karting as children, um, so they've been rivals for twenty years at this point, nearly. And allegedly, allegedly, and I, I, I sprinkled that term there. They, there, may have been some beef over a woman between the <laughs> pair of them. Uh, bet- you know, this is but- gonna
3: go great. Like based oh, uh- <laughs> on based on just this start, like oh, yeah. just just Esteban having to sit and be like, all right, so he did that i did the end oh cool great
1: this and, is the, and,
3: 2023 is off to a great start oh
1: yeah and, and to top it all off this is a team uh this is a another factory run team they run their own engines um they are of a major car manufacturer and they are right. currently yeah. in year what is it eight or nine of their five-year plan to win in first... formula one
2: when they first bought up this team, when they first bought back this team, they said we're going to have a five-year plan to get back to championship form. Yeah. Uh, it is now year eight. They have won a total this, of one I race. I
3: find this deeply relatable. Like the <laughs> idea that you, you sit down and say like this – I have a plan to get here by this time and, and then years later you're like –
1: we're no, just tweaking
3: the plan. We're almost there.
1: <laughs> the, the, no plan ever survives contact with the enemy. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: we just, just moving the goalposts along right. a little that's bit right. more each year right. until we get there. Time is um, a
3: human construct. I didn't say your years. My five years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like Dragon Ball wow. Z, where freezer says this planet's going to blow in five minutes, <laughs> and it's the longest five minutes in human history. This five minute <laughs>
2: takes three whole weeks of episodes airing on Toonami, kids. Are
0: 100 oh, yeah. we know you know how this goes we have to talk about our opinion on top of that couple of quick notes i want to get through as well before we get out of here mclaren oh dear um yeah
1: i i was gonna say ryan i think you put it beautifully time is a human construct yet no construct could possibly <laughs> blunt how piss poor mclaren were this weekend Dude, I you know rj i want i'm calling you out me mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm calling you out. You said there's no way McLaren fall out of the top eight. <laughs> well, McLaren may just have the worst car in Formula One right now. They were.
2: And, and I, I really hate to bring this back to your job, Ryan, but it's just like it's a it's a big name. It's a helmet program in college football that yes. just got beat by an FCS team in week zero.
3: Cool. Texas uh, A&M. They're the Texas A&M. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <F1. laughs>
1: The, uh, yeah, honestly, that, Pias- is not too, that is not too far from the
3: truth.
0: Dude. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty close. Dude,
2: Lando Norris had to make, like, I want to say like a half a dozen pit stops and half of that was just to top off the hydraulics, so he was never a factor. Yeah. That he yeah. even yes. got it within fingertips of reaching Q3 and qualifying was something of a Maybe the single just-
1: greatest lap that anyone's ever done in Formula One history.
2: <laughs> Oscar Piastri is rated as a top-tier prospect who is Fly up the junior formula ladder. Only hit a roadblock last year because no team had a seat for him. He gets a seat lit- this year out of some massive contract wrangling. And his performance is entirely forgettable because it's not even his fault. I so- thought y'all were just poor mouthing a mid-tier constructor. I had no idea it was going to be this bad. It's like, I don't even know if they're slow or not because they're just too fragile. They can't finish a race.
0: Oh, oh, I'll take do you. Do you-, do you-, do you- I- I- guys. Do we have time to explain that Piastri missed out on a genuinely good seat last year? I think we got time. Okay. Like, like, do you remember how, Ryan, how we mentioned earlier that Alonso had a choice between staying yeah. with Alpine and going mm-hmm. to Aston Martin? Mm-hmm. You went to Aston Martin. Now, Alpine had a free seat available. Alpine wanted to announce that Oscar Piastri, who at the time was their reserve driver, was going to get promoted to the seat for 2023. Right. right. Yep. Now... The funny thing is, is, that Oscar Piastri's manager is a former F one driver, a guy called Mark Webber, used to be Sebastian Vettel's teammate. He had a handshake agreement. This is very DeAndre Jordan when it was when it was <laughs> when, it, when he could have gone to the Dallas Mavericks, yep. right? Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, he had a handshake agreement with Zach Brown. It was at McLaren's uh, McLaren's team boss to say, hey, you know, if you've got a seat available um you know you you could have oscar if you like um so they had a handshake agreement behind closed doors that that was going to happen alpine announced we're gonna promote oscar piastri into the main seat for 2023 and it sounds great it's like okay great you know highly rated they told him they told
1: him all he said was thanks
0: yeah basically and there's a reason for that because he'd already agreed a handshake deal to go to McLaren <laughs> because when he was Alpine reserve they were yeah. going to tell him we're going to loan you to Williams for 2 years one of the worst teams in Formula 1 at the time and Piastri didn't want to wait basically
1: so he wishes he went to Williams right now oh my exactly. god exactly so like w- Williams have been the worst team in Formula 1 pretty Pretty consistently since twenty eighteen. Yeah,
0: yeah, they, they, they've been the, they the bottom, bottom of the table. Yeah, now Piastri, he could have easily just rolled with this and just said, you know what? Okay, we're going to RP next year. But he, but he didn't. He'd had a handshake deal with Zach Brown, and by the way, at McLaren had already had rumors they were going to take from their IndyCar team over there with Pado Ward and they, they'd already got into a huge contract dispute of their own with Alex Polo over the, the, there.
1: The CEO of McLaren happened to ink a handshake deal with just about half of the active racing world <laughs> for this one <laughs> Formula One seat. God.
0: To my team, gone to my team, and, and, and like basically, he'd pissed off everybody. And this is this is the this is the team that already had Daniel Ricciardo in their second seat. You may have seen as, as mentioned on Stephen Colbert and little things like that because he's mm-hmm. few off drive to survive. Everybody loves him in the sport as the you know, big Australian name, and basically and the he fr- paid to leave. Yeah, he <laughs> Zach Brown paid Daniel Ricciardo allegedly twenty one million dollars not to come to work. <laughs>
1: And Daniel Ricciardo's wa- probably woke up with the biggest smile he's had since he won his first race. <laughs> because, let, let me put on my hazmat suit, because I, I just can't take the stink of McLaren in my sport anymore.
2: Yeah, yeah. McLaren, this is the second most successful team in the history of
1: the sport behind Ferrari. They oh, haven't won a title in 15 years. Yeah. They haven't oh. won a, a team title in 25
0: so it's like we're sitting here going all piastri had to do was play along with alpine but he the same day it was announced he famously and this tweet went viral to the point where soccer teams were copying the format where they were saying um, it was been announced that I, that I was meant to drive for Alpine next year. I can confirm this is not true. I'm not driving for Alpine in 2023. And the Internet went into a complete meltdown <laughs> over it.
2: Because it, it was the second time it happened in a
1: month. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: It it was the second time in a month that someone, a a team had announced the driver and the announcement turned out to be false. Whoops. Whoops. With McLaren, I might add. With McLaren. Because McLaren announced the Alex Polo deal and, well, he was driving for an IndyCar team at the same time and Oh, it was, a, it was a fucking mess. Uh, it, it's well, well worth searching unpack. up the story.
3: Does, does any of this put Zach Brown on any kind of hot seat or whatever? No, like, he's no
0: because he, a he, he's the
1: CEO of the company. CEO. Okay, well, never mind. <laughs> and, and, and unfortunately with McLaren, like, McLaren have been a shell of their former selves for about a decade. Right. Mm-hmm. But only in the absolute pits of Honda's initial comeback in 2015 mm. could you say this is probably the worst team here. Oh, yeah. No, Even then, like the team that died and had to come back with a zombified 2014 car were still worse than them in 2015
0: mm. Mm.
1: Uh, in Manor Marusha. Um, McLaren stink.
0: The, they they, they all reek.
1: They all awful sanitation workers were seen in woking uh, during this weekend (laughs) they couldn't take that smell oh um look like lando norris is one of the most extraordinary extraordinary talented drivers in the world right now
2: the drivers aren't the problem here
1: he put he put daniel ricardo in a casket last year he effectively ended the man's current driving career And he before the issue cropped up with the car, these cars use air valves in the engine. And if that canister forms a leak, well, you have to keep topping it up. And he had to top it up every 10 laps. So the race became a test session, as RJ said. Yeah. Before that happened, he got passed by a Williams. He got passed by an Alfa Romeo who spent the second half of last year as the worst team in Formula One.
0: Yeah. They, they, they this bad.
1: car is the worst.
0: Mm, mm. <laughs> they have a and major upgrade not...
1: package coming
2: for Bob, for a, a few races down the
1: road, but... <sighs> Until then, they are going to scrape and claw for any result on the table. Absolutely.
0: And on, on that note as well... Props to Williams because they did get a car in the points. Alex Albon was tenth. for Williams massive point last, for
1: 2017 was the last time they got a car in the points on the first race. Yeah. Holy shit!
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, what's what's I, arguably as
2: impressive is that Logan Sargent, only the third American driver to have signed a thir- to a full time racing contract in my 33 year lifetime, <laughs> almost finishing the points on debut. Not Nick DeVries, who was a Formula E world champion and a Formula 2 champion. Not Oscar Piastri, one of the most fancy prospects in the sport in recent memory, but Logan Sargent, the guy who finished fourth in Formula 2 last year and considered not that great a crop of rookies, and the guy that everybody was upset that he got the seat because he was not the the, the American that everybody wanted, which was IndyCar star Colton Herta.
0: Yeah. Amazing that these things turn out in the end, and yeah, great, great job from Logan Sargent on debut. Yes, right, uh, we've got an American full timer in the sport for the first time in sixteen years. Oh yes, uh, he's a he's a
2: Florida he's a Florida resident. His middle name is Hunter, and his dad has huge tra- ties with the Trump administration. Is being brought to court. Well, we more
3: American than that. <laughs> we've sent you our most American boy. Please take good <laughs> care of. He, he, is,
1: he is walking. He is walking into each press conference with a tub of vanilla ice cream and warm apple pie in his <laughs> oh, um, hand. He is walking into every engineering debrief like, "What the fuck is a kilometer?"
3: <laughs> hey, I'm not, hey, I'm not calling him that. All right.
0: <laughs> um, we, we oh my oils. gosh! There will, there will be no arguments. Um, yeah,
1: like but, the- but yeah, to, to kind of rapid fire through other things. Um, Haas
2: qualified okay. well.
1: Stink. Yeah. Um, th- how would Mick
2: Schumacher? How could Mick Schumacher do this? Honestly, how could I Mick
1: Schumacher know. do this? Fair yeah. play.
2: Nico Hulkenberg has been great on return mea culpa he's he's never looked like he's it's not the fault of the drivers the car nope. is just it's not there alfa the team of the successor the successor of the team that i love pretty similar situation except they got red Bull stickers on the car yuki Tsunoda put in a hell of a ship to try and fight that last point away from Alexander albon alfa romeo same thing valtteri botas fantastic no, they start. got points
1: they alfa. got like these because of the the spread of the field where we're now we effectively have a big four being the first 8 spots on the grid are probably going to be taken up by those four. And then Alpine if they get their ish together are probably that next team. The only team the only spots that get points are the, of course the top 10. Every point is at a massive premium right now while these teams get their shit together.
0: Absolutely. Huge point. Huge point for him. And Snowden, unlucky to miss out in that regard by finishing in that dreadfully unlucky P11 spot. And
1: um, 11th might be important for Alpha Towery because they're right with McLaren as far as just being us,
0: yeah. bad. Yeah, Shout out to Alpha Omega, and, and Bottas for getting eighth. Also, I love the fact of the gamesmanship of using Joe Guan Yu to give him an extra stop just so that Gasly didn't get the fastest lap bonus point.
1: Incredibly <laughs> to, petty.
0: Incredibly petty. I love it. Again, multi-billion dollar sport, not afraid to get their hands dirty on numerous occasions. Like if I can't have this fastest lap point, well, no one's having it. Um, basically, because <laughs> uh, you have to finish in the top 10 to get the fastest lap bonus point. Joe was in 16th place. They just thought, let's eh, take an extra minute, stop, put a fresh set of tires and I get the fastest lap. So Gasly don't get it. Love it. Really, brilliantly petty. Love that. This was an okay race. Uh, at the end of the day, fine. before we get at it, if it was you didn't fine. care
1: about the top two positions, this was actually a lot of fun.
0: Oh yeah, like the fight for the fight for what inevitably ended up as third in the end, and was a, was was a great fight, and that was worth the price of admission. Well,
3: and it sounds like, from what you've all said at the beginning of this episode. That's the attitude we should maybe take into many races going forward. Yes. (laughs)
0: Yes. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 100%. 100%. So it's good
3: practice. Think of it that way. Good practice. Again, it's weird for
1: me. It's weird for me to think that in a season preview, I thought Red Bull would win 18 races, Ferrari 2, Mercedes 2, Aston 1. Somehow I feel weird that it's not Aston, but it's the other two outliers who I want to take <laughs> off that board. Right. Because right, you're kid. You, you're I don't think kid. Mercedes are winning a damn thing this year.
0: Nope. And the possibility of Red Bull running the table is genuinely on. And that is terrifying to me. Um, we'll have to wait and see how that season plays out. Of course, Formula One is back in two weeks time in that wonderful country of Saudi Arabia for the Grand Prix at Jeddah. Uh, who knows? Maybe we won't have a missile strike this year. Maybe. No. Oh my uh,
3: God. Don't jinx it.
2: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's it's not like Netflix is going to cover it on their show anyway either way. No, no. Uh, no,
1: no. Oh, oh, oh no, a second Mercedes front wing has hit Max Verstappen's diffuser. <laughs>
0: We can't have that. We can't have that. Um, that'll just about do it for this episode of Motorsport 101. Before we get out of here, Ryan, t- tell us one more time where the good people can find you. And tell them about one more time about, about your goal for the year and how they can get in touch with you. Because yeah, you, know, if you, you are a podcaster if, for hire.
3: If you yeah. want to hear me podcast in my regular uh, uh, show and distracting this, you can check out the Shutdown Forecast, the internet's only college football podcast. And... You can reach out to me, ryan.nanny at gmail.com. I'll be on your show. Like, This is this is pretty low in terms of like my uh, fluency and comfort, but there, there have been worse. There, are, I have a, a banking podcast out there that's been like, I don't know, wow. we can have you on. And I'm like, I have been to a bank. Beyond that, I don't know how much <laughs> I can really offer. So... <laughs> Honestly, right. that's perfect.
0: Yeah, that, that is perfect. And again, at Celebrity Hot Tub on Twitter and Instagram, if you want to follow Ryan along for, for the for the ride on that one, huge honour to have you on the show, Ryan. Thank you, we're, we're, thank, we're thank you famous. very much. We're huge fans of your work, and you know, it's it's you've you. Visited and, and, and been fully on board with our humble, pokey, little motoring podcast. So sincere thanks for coming on. We've had an absolute blast with you, my friend. You're welcome back anytime um, as far as we're concerned. So thank you for that um again you can find me at dre underscore wtf1 at cam at buckley 917 at rj o'connell um on twitter and of course our show at motorsport underscore 101 follow us on there for all of our updates as well um we'll be back i want to say god two weeks time now because none of our major series are back until um Formula One again in Saudi Arabia. So we've actually got a week off to a a degree, which is a bit strange to say for us, given how we're now in motorsport season. But here we are. Um, That'll do it for this episode of Mem 101 from me, Dre Harrison, from Cam Buckley, RJ O'Connell, and the wonderful Ryan Nanny. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll catch you guys next time. Sayonara.
2: Later, y'all.
1: The advantage was never locked in.